Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. We've been on a series in our church for a few months now called Foundation. And Foundation is really a series about the foundational beliefs of what it means to be a Christian. And we're looking at our particular foundations, but many of the things we've been teaching on are things that followers of Jesus Christ have believed for 21 centuries. And so we're going to continue in that series today, and uh, I'm going to be talking about one, one belief in particular that churches like ours uniquely hold on to, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the message today is called, God Gives Us the Baptism of the Holy Spirit, to empower us. Now, today we watched people get baptized in a tank, and I, I love the picture that this provides for us because I'm over here by this tank, and it's full of water, and by the way, the water is probably right around 95 to 100 degrees, so nobody's suffering in this tank. I just want you to know that. And, and people, when they get water baptized, their entire bodies go under, and they're immersed, and they're submerged in water. And that water is representative of a number of things. It's representative of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, dying, going under into a watery grave, coming out, rising into new life in Jesus Christ. It's representative of washing, of cleansing, of all the things that God does in our life to change us and cleanse us and renew us when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. But the thing that it provides for us is a picture of another kind of baptism as well, and that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to learn today that God submerges us, He immerses us, He washes and cleanses us in His Holy Spirit, and He does that to empower us so we can live the life He's created us to live, so we can be the people He's created us to be, so we can do the works He's called us to do. And so I think it's really important that we understand the importance it's really important we understand the importance, okay, of being empowered to live this life. I've met people who follow Jesus Christians who are very frustrated in their walk with Christ. They, uh, they feel like they can never measure up, like they can never become the person that God's created them to be. And often what I find is they're trying to live a supernatural life in their own energy and their own power. They're trying to live supernaturally, naturally. They're, they're endeavoring to be like Jesus, to, to live in his character and his nature and do his works, but they're not trusting his empowerment. And I, I want to tell you that you can't live this life on your own. We know what happens when people try to live the law, when they try to do the good works, when they try to live well enough for God to accept them. We know it is... A, it is futile and it always ends in frustration and condemnation because human beings cannot live the perfect life of Jesus Christ. And so what God does in the power of the Holy Spirit is He comes and He fills us and He immerses us and He overwhelms us and submerges us in His power so that we can live as Jesus lived. The very Spirit of Jesus Himself, the Spirit of Christ, comes to empower us and fill us to overflowing. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I want to read our belief to you. I don't know if it'll be on the screen or not, but this is Grace Harvest Church's belief number nine, and that is that God gives us the baptism of the Holy Spirit 
to empower us. And listen to this. It says, we believe in the baptism. Whenever I say that word, just think of immersion, being submerged, being overwhelmed with water, but see it as being overwhelmed with God's spirit and his presence. When I say the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to empower the believer to be Christ's witnesses in all the earth. We believe this gift may be received at the same time as or subsequent to their conversion when they first come to faith in Christ and is most often evidenced by speaking with other tongues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit manifested as the Spirit wills. So that's what we believe. I'm going to break all that down because I know that's a lot of theological language. But I want to start with uh, the story of John the Baptist and, and tell you a little bit about him. John the Baptist was um, the prophet who came before Jesus to prepare the way for him. Jesus is the Messiah and John the Baptist plays this Elijah character who shows up on the scene and he's talking to all of the people of God, all the Hebrew people that are scattered throughout Judea under the Roman Empire and he suddenly comes out of the desert, a wild man, right? He's, he's you know, wearing camel skin, he's eating locusts, he's got honey dripping down his beard, he's got wild eyes and he's out there in the wilderness preaching to the people and he's saying, repent, which means change your mind, change your thinking, turn from your old ways of thinking and your old sin and turn to God, repent for God's rule and reign, his kingdom is within reach, it's at hand and then he baptizes people. And when he baptizes people, he baptizes most of them in the Jordan River. And, and what he's saying is, is, I'm baptizing you out of your old life and into a new life. You're repenting and turning from your own ways and your own sin, and you're coming to follow God now. You're coming back to God. And just so you know, at that time, baptisms or washings were a regular occurrence in Israel. We look at them as just like maybe John the Baptist was the only one doing this, but baptisms were happening all the time. Baptism was a way of signifying the washing away of an old life and the beginning of a new life. So he's baptizing people, and yet in the midst of baptizing people, he says this, and it's, it's really powerful. He says, I baptize you, Matthew 3.11, with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I am not worthy to remove his sandals. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So today we're going to look at what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but before we do that, we're going to look at who is the Holy Spirit. And notice I said who and not what, because I want to really show you today that the Holy Spirit is God. So who is the Holy Spirit in the Bible? The Holy Spirit is the Creator. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says this. It's the opening verses of the Bible. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3 says this. It's not going to be on the screen. Verse 3 says, and God said, let there be light and there was light. And what we see in the opening three verses of the Bible is the Trinity. God creating by speaking 
Jesus is called the Word. As the Father speaks, He actively is involved in creating, and we know that from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things that were made were made through Him. And so we, we know right off the bat that the Word, Jesus, the Logos of God, is the Creator. But then it also says the Spirit of God is hovering. So what you see is the Father is speaking, the Son is moving as a result of the spoken word, and the Spirit is hovering, and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are actively involved in creating all things. So the Spirit of God is not just an act of energy or a force, but God Himself, the third person of the Trinity. Amen? And that takes me to the next one. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Godhead. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This has already been read today by Pastor Raul, but I want you to look at it. And Jesus came and said to them, and who's the them? Well, Jesus is on the top of a mountain, and he's got about 500 or so. That's what we think according to 1 Corinthians 15, disciples on the mountain. And he's giving them what we call the Great Commission. And he comes to them and he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I want you to think about that for a minute. All the authority that exists in all of creation, whether it's authorities in the heavens, and that includes principalities and powers, and all the authority that exists on earth, and that includes presidents and kings and congresses and supreme courts and every other form of government that exists to mankind, all of that authority ultimately is vested in Jesus Christ and every person that ever exercises authority, whether you're a boss at work, whether you're involved in a relationship, whatever it may be, where there is an exercise of authority, all that authority belongs to Jesus Christ and every person in this room and every person ever made will give an account to Jesus Christ one day for how you handled his authority. Bam! All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. Now go therefore is a commission. Because I have all the authority, I can send you. And when you go, you're going to go with my authority behind you, backing you. So go, therefore, and make disciples. That word means a student or an apprentice, a taught one. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we see there the Trinity as well. And when we baptize people, we're baptizing them into the name of the triune God. Amen. I've already said this over and over again, but the Holy Spirit is God. I'm not going to go to the text, but in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, you'll see this, this text where some people had lied to the Holy Spirit and they died because they lied. Don't lie, you might die. Just kidding. So they lied to the Holy Spirit and they died. And after it says, after they were rebuked for, it says you lied to the Holy Spirit. At the end of verse 4, it says you have not lied to man, but to God. So when you lie to the Holy Spirit, you lie to God, right? And we know the Holy Spirit has personality. We, we see through a number of texts throughout the Scripture that the Holy Spirit teaches and speaks. He comforts. He can be grieved. Did you know that we can, our lives can grieve the Holy Spirit? So if you've ever, you know, you're walking with the Lord and the Holy Spirit's indwelling you, if you're a Christian, I don't know if you know that, but God lives in you. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit and He indwells you. So you're walking with God and you, you depart from His way. You sin. You fall short. You miss the mark. You do something. That, and, and you have this thing. It's not just your conscience, though the Holy Spirit works with your conscience. Because when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, their conscience, which, which has often been seared or damaged 
by continual sinning, that conscience gets renewed by the Holy Spirit and like almost like born anew. And that conscience now is touched by the Holy Spirit. And when you do wrong within, you have that sense of, oh, you know what I'm talking about? Ooh, ugh. And you do something that maybe even you just, you know, you talk to somebody in a way that you shouldn't. You're, you're angry. You're mean. You lie. Whatever it may be. It might even be just, you know, you're sitting there kind of lusting away. Nobody knows what's going on in your mind, your head, your heart, your body, your hormones. Nobody knows, but you're lusting away and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just goes, stop that. That's bad for you. You're married. Right? So that is the Holy Spirit's personality grieving in you, moving you to repent and follow God. Amen? He also guides people. And one of the things we see in John 14 and John 16 is when the Holy Spirit is talked about by Jesus, the Holy Spirit is always called He, Him. He gives Him the, the name the Helper, which is the Greek word paraclete or parakletos, which means one who comes alongside to encourage and to build up. So he's like a friend that comes alongside of us, a companion that lives within us and is helping us all the time and encouraging us and teaching us and reminding us the right way to live. That Holy Spirit indwells us and he is a he, not an it. And it's really important because I hear Christians sometimes are talking about the Holy Spirit and they say, it's really awesome, it's really powerful. Or they talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit like the baptism of the Holy Spirit is just getting some power from this kind of energy so they can speak in tongues. And I'm like, no, speaking in tongues is an evidence. It's not the purpose. The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so you'll have power to show the world that Jesus Christ is alive, right? The purpose is power to live like Christ. Okay, amen. Mellow out, Doug, just relax, dude, it's okay. <laughs> now we can be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Acts chapter 1, verses 5 and 8 says this, For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. Verse 8, But you will receive power. I like the old Pentecostal preachers when they preach it. They'll say, You will receive power. <laughs> power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And look, here's purpose. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea in Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So just see concentric circles. The power of the Holy Spirit is so we can start in our own little circle of life and tell them about Jesus and lead them to Jesus. And that can increase and increase and increase so the whole world may know that Jesus Christ is alive, risen from the dead, Lord and Savior of the world, and that he died for them and rose again so they could be right with God and live out their purpose. Okay. So what's it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, I've already said this, the, the Greek word baptizo, it means to immerse. If I was going to say it right, it'd be baptizo. Okay, there we go. It means to immerse, to submerge, to dip and cleanse or wash, to dip repeatedly and to cleanse, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit is to be submerged and immersed with the Holy Spirit's presence to empower the person being baptized. Luke calls it in Luke 24, 49, he calls it being clothed with power from on high. Do any of you want some new clothing? Power clothing. Who, who would like some power? You know, we've heard about a power suit and a power tie, but all that stuff's weak. See, God has power. 
power clothing for us. He wants to clothe us with a power suit. And that power suit is the power of the Holy Spirit so we can live out the life that God created us to live. Amen. So as we look at this, I want to, I guess where I want to take us today in this message is how do we as a people, through our hunger and our thirst and our expectation, posture ourselves to be baptized with and in the power of the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, that we might be His witnesses. What do we do? The first thing, we see a clear example of this in the very well-known text of Scripture in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit fills people who are together in unity, who are together in unity. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Unity and togetherness is often a necessity for a significant work of God. These 120 people did not just inhabit the same space at the same time. They were of one heart and one mind. The New King James Version says they were all with one accord, and that's not a Honda car. These people had spent up to 10 days in this room praying and waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. During that time, I'm sure they were forged together. I want you to think about something. Have you ever spent 10 days with somebody in a room? One room? Now think about it. Here's 120 people in a room large enough for 120 people to get into that room, okay? And they're there for 10 days. They're waiting because Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of your Father, the promise. So they're waiting expectantly for something that Father God wants to give them. And like children who are so excited because Father God has a gift for us, but we don't know what it is, it's going to be a surprise they're waiting expectantly. Now you can imagine the first day or two, they're probably excited. They're in this room. They're praying. We, we, it seems to indicate they're fasting, right? So they're fasting and praying and they're waiting. But how many of you know after several hours of being together, that person across the room that just really prays in an annoying way starts to get on your nerves? And somebody else needed to bathe before they came. Right? And before you know it, you're, you're, just, you're with these people and all the stuff is coming out. Right? You're having to pray just to keep from choking your brother. In Jesus' name, I lay hands on you suddenly. Bam! Right? Yeah, I mean, you, you, and then what happens as you work through that and you forgive and you love and you get through your stuff? Like we, we've seen this when people have gone on trips together. Right? They're in close proximity. They're hanging out together. Everybody's excited. It's so fun. And then after a couple days, man, you're tired. You're not eating the same food. You're having problems with each other. Interpersonal stuff starts to happen. And after you work through that, you come to a point, you know, and you forgive and you learn to love. Then you start to get into real unity. Because how many of you know, unity that exists just upon the fact that you're like me, I'm like you, we all get along together, everything's good, that's fake. Unity that is based in Jesus Christ is like you're different than me. There's a lot of things about you that annoy me, but you're my brother. You're my sister. You know, I can imagine right now, you know, imagine the new heavens and the new earth. We'll just talk about heaven. You know, there's not going to be a Baptist section, a Pentecostal section, and a CMA section in heaven, right? There's going to be like we're all hanging out together, right? We're going to have to get along and have to love each other, right? 
You're not going to be able to stay away. Those people, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen is when the Lord wraps all this up, the people that annoy you the most are going to be the people that he puts you with. Forever, Forever yeah. You get your mansion right next door to them. They're my neighbor. Oh, my gosh. I hope their dog doesn't bark. Okay. So during that time, they were forged together in unity. The unity of the spirit, the bond of peace, there's the love of God. And you can bet they had expectation. Like I said, they're like kids waiting for a promise from the Father. And then that expectation creates an environment for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I, you know, can, can I just share, uh, yeah, I'm going to. I'm gonna, share out of, <laughs> I'm gonna share out of my heart something with you as a church. I just wanna say something to you that I hope you hear my heart in it. If we will agree that every time we gather, whether in a small group, a class, or here on Sunday, we are going to come with an expectation that God is going to meet us, that people are going to be healed, addicts are going to be delivered, people that are being oppressed by satanic powers are going to be delivered, minds are going to be healed, relationships are going to be restored, lost people are going to be found right? Prodigal sons and daughters are going to come home. And, and, but, more than, but, but that's all going to be a result of the fact that we met with him, yes. that we came to worship. We came with an expectation like, what is God going to do today? What could happen in this place? What could change? What lives could be rearranged? What will the Lord do? What if we just showed up every week like, what's God gonna do today? Lord, what are you up to today? You got some surprises? You got some suddenlies for us? I'm telling you, when God finds a people like that, he's happy. And he does amazing, amazing things. When he finds a people that are hungry for his presence, Hungry to know him, hungry to love him like nothing else. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And this takes me to what happened then on the day of Pentecost. They're together in unity. They're together with expectation. And we see that the Holy Spirit baptizes and fills people with power. And signs follow. So Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. Listen to what it says here. It says, and suddenly. Say suddenly with me. Suddenly. See, let me, let me tell you something. Sometimes God just does something and you never saw it coming. Anybody ever had that happen in their life? I mean, he just sneaks up on you. Surprise! I'm here. I'm going to rock your life and change your world. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Now, I just have to give you a little bit of context. Whenever you look in the Old Testament... And these were all believers who, they, they only had the Old Testament and Jesus as their context. There's no biblical letters yet. There's no New Testament. They've never looked at a New Testament letter. None of them have been written yet. So all they have is the Old Testament and Jesus, the Old Testament in a body, fulfilled, written to live out in the flesh in front of us, the whole of the law and the whole of the life of God. Right, they have Jesus, and so they're waiting with expectation, and they don't know what to expect, and God is about to surprise them. And they know about in the Old Testament, often God came in a wind, 
or God came in fire. And so what happens on the day of Pentecost, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. Remember in the Old Testament, there was a pillar of fire that protected Moses and the nation of Israel. Now they're seeing divided tongues of fire, like the pillar breaks up and it's over. It's like, like there's some kind of an outward manifestation. I don't understand it. I don't know what it looked like. But there's like fire over their heads, over the top of them. There's some kind of physical manifestation that's happening and God is visiting them. It does say appeared, by the way, and it says, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Who? what is this? That's what the crowd said too. What is this? A sound like a rushing mighty wind, this particular manifestation, the word spirit in both Hebrew and Greek is the word breath or wind of God. So the spirit's moving, the breath of God is moving, and fire is a regular manifestation in the Bible, and fire represents a consuming presence, a purifying presence. It demonstrates passion. You ever met somebody and they say, hey, have you ever met somebody and you thought of them, they're on fire. You ever heard that term? What do we mean? They're full of zeal. They're full of excitement. They're full of passion for Jesus Christ. Well, that fire is the fire of the Holy Spirit. Now, just so you don't think that these things only happened back then and they don't happen now, most of us in this room, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. A number of us in this room, we come from a background where we grew up learning about or we came, became Christians under what is known as a, a Pentecostal or a charismatic church. And Pentecostal churches are churches that believe that the Holy Spirit is still actively working in the world, even doing miracles and signs and wonders. And, and, and charismatics also believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and God is working, doing miraculous things, right? Well, all of us who come from a Pentecostal heritage, we trace our heritage back to a outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened in Los Angeles, California on Azusa Street. It started before Azusa Street, but it really took off on Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California in 1906. In 1906, a, a black man with one eye named William C. Moore. Does the Lord have a sense of humor or what? A black man with one eye named William Seymour decided he was going to pray. And he was going to, he literally stuck his head like under like a barrel and he decided, I'm going to pray until the Holy Spirit falls on us and gives us power to do his will. And so he prayed and prayed and more people joined him and they prayed and prayed and prayed and suddenly, bam, God's power fell on that little gathering. And what was profound about it at first was that he was a black man leading a move of the Holy Spirit when in this country at that time, even in L.A., there was incredible division and probably the most divided place in the world was the church. The white churches, black churches, Hispanic churches, but we didn't get together. And all of a sudden, 
people of every color and from all over the world, from the nations, they started coming to this little gathering in Azusa Street and they got filled with the Holy Spirit. They received tongues and gifts of the Holy Spirit and then they went out into all the world, literally to all the nations of the world, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. But in the middle of those meetings in 1906, here's one of the testimonies. And by the way, these testimonies were written about in the Los Angeles Times at the time. Azusa Street, 1906, many eyewitnesses reported seeing a glow from the building that was visible from blocks away. Others reported hearing sounds emanating from the little wooden building like explosions that rocked the neighborhood. Due to these types of phenomena, the fire department was called on several occasions when a blaze or explosion was reported at the mission building. There was no blaze or explosion. It was the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And, and there have been many other types of testimonies like that all over the globe for centuries and centuries. The Holy Spirit has never quit working miraculously. And look what it says. It says that there was a sound as of a rushing mighty wind, the fire, tongues of fire rested on them, and they were all filled and spoke in tongues. And what happened after that is there was 120 of them in Jerusalem. Uh, thousands of pilgrims from around the world were in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. They were from all the known nations of the Roman Empire at that time, and they were all gathered together. And these guys all got filled with the Holy Spirit. There was just supernatural phenomena. They stumbled out into the streets, and there were people everywhere, and they began to speak out in what was coming out of them. And as they spoke out, all these people from these different parts of the Roman Empire heard their own language being spoken, and they listened, and they they were speaking the wondrous works of God. And then the people said, what is this? And Peter said, this is what Joel the prophet prophesied about. And then he stood up and what did he do? He preached Jesus, crucified, buried, and risen, the Messiah, the one who fulfilled all the prophecies. Jesus is alive. And he preached that. And that day, 3,000 souls came to faith in Jesus Christ. Powerful. And it's all because God gave them power so they wouldn't have to do the work that they were called to do in their own energy or strength, but they did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Can I have the worship team and the ministry teams go ahead and come? So, as we end today, well, came out of nowhere. Yeah. As we end today, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet with me if you would. I'm excited. I should say I'm enthusiastic because the Lord is among us. Amen? And where people have expectation and faith, God can do amazing things. You know, I'm looking around this room right now and the thing that strikes me as I look at you is how different and diverse you are. You're like all those pilgrims, and you're hungry. I believe many of you are really hungry for God to do a new thing in your life. And I believe he wants to meet us today. So this is what we're gonna do in just a moment. I'm gonna pray with us. And, but we have this ministry team up here, and they're up here to pray for you. And if you're here today and you would say, you know, I've never received that kind of power in my life, and I'd like somebody to pray for me to receive that then I want to invite you to come as we go into worship. We'll go into worship and you can come and we'll pray for you. We're going to lay hands on you and we're going to ask the Lord to fill you with the power of his Holy Spirit. 
And I just want you to be open to whatever the Holy Spirit does in you. But we're going to come and we're going to pray for people, pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for the immersion, the submerging, the empowering, filling presence of the Holy Spirit so you can be a bold witness for Christ, so you can go out and move in His power and touch lives, so you can show people the compassion and the love, the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Amen? And if you're here today and you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you're just in a dry place and you're like, I feel like I need to be refilled, that is also biblical. Ephesians 5.18 says, do not be drunk with wine, which is wasteful living, dissipation, but be, and the word be filled means continually. It's in the tense of continually. Be continually over and over filled with the Holy Spirit. And so maybe you're here and you just like to be filled or refilled. Or maybe you're here and you don't yet know Jesus Christ and you want to know him today. You want to begin that journey. You want to know what it means to be forgiven and cleansed and washed and you want to come into the family of God and start the journey as a follower of Jesus Christ. You want to follow him for the rest of your life, serve him, walk with him. You can come as well. Let people know, this is why I'm here. Pray for me. And we're just going to go into worship and then you can come and we're going to pray for you. And all of you that are up front right now, if you feel like maybe all of you that are on the prayer team, if, if any of this feels like you're in over your head, just trust the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you. Amen? Amen. And this is what we're going to do. The scripture says this. If we ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, He's not going to give us a serpent or a scorpion. He's not going to rip us off and give us something evil. He's going to give us His Holy Spirit. Because we ask the Father in the name of the Son for the Holy Spirit. And He gives us the Holy Spirit. So the scripture says that it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome?